0: It's time to thrive! Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it! Just a couple of weeks ago, I had a chance of spending some time with my daughter. My wife and I had not seen my daughter for a bit, and so we got to travel now my my daughter is in uh, kind of her first job after college, and so we we traveled to her and got to to spend the weekend with her. We were in Huntsville, Alabama, while we were spending time with her and I was at Huntsville several years back, a number of years back now, with my son when his class went to space camp. I got to be one of the chaperones, and so we went to the U.S. Rocket and Space Center, and so... My daughter and my wife had not been there. We went back there and, and went th- through the tour. A very interesting place to be, very interesting to see, uh, because it's at the same time when our country is trying to decide what to do with exploring uh, those other planets, and, and how do we get to Mars, and how do we maybe even return to the moon. And so it was very interesting to be there at that time. As we were roaming around there's one ride, and that same ride is the one that you probably rode when you went to the fair as a child, and, and maybe even recently you went to the one. It's, it's the one that uses centrifugal force to spin you around and and pin you to the back. You know, it's just its kind of a circular wheel. It's got a lot of times at the sideshow, you could uh, see all around you and it would make you really dizzy. In fact, I remember when I was a child, the first time I rode it was with my father. He took me to an amusement park and we got on it and, and my father was making sure that I was okay. And what he didn't know was I was used to doing circles and circles and circles, and so I didn't get dizzy very easily. And so the the ride began, and it would spin you around and around. And if you've been on it, you know that what happens on some rides is the floor drops out. On other rides, it, it tilts up, and it does that after it's spinning fast enough that you are pinned by centrifugal force against the back. So when you're outside, it's a little disorienting because you you see everything roaming around you. And I remember when my father was doing it, he was keeping an eye on me. You know, his little son beside him, he was making sure that everything was okay. And, and, And when the ride stopped, we got off. And he turned to me and he said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. And I walked straight off while my father almost fell off the ride. Well, I learned a trick way back then. And that is you don't look off to the side when you're riding that. Now, at the Space Center, they have that same ride, and what they're trying to do is let people experience kind of the, the training of, of having Gs put against your body, the, the feeling of force of gravity against your body, like maybe uh, a rocket ship would create on an astronaut as they're blasting off. Now, obviously, it's not that big of a, a G-force, but it gives you some sense Of what it would be like to try to reach out, you know, as you're spinning around and and if you're an astronaut, as you're feeling that G-force as you're blasting off. and You're trying to reach out and your arms become very heavy and it's very hard to guide them to get to the control panels. And it just gives you a sense of how hard it would be to be guiding that rocket ship as it's blasting off. So that's the point of the ride. My daughter and I raced up to it, and unfortunately, we chose right after lunch. Like We ate lunch, went out the door, and went straight to the ride. My daughter said, I want to try that ride, and I said, okay. So my wife knows better, and she stayed off the ride, but my daughter and I jumped on, and right before it started, my daughter turned to me and said, maybe I should have waited a little bit after eating that hot dog, and then the ride began. Now, in this one, it's completely enclosed. You're completely inside, so there's no view of the outside And so right at the last minute, I turned to her and I said, you need to look straight at the center. Don't take your eyes off the center. Nothing else good is going to come except for by keeping your eyes off the center. And so the ride began. And there was a person that was in the middle that was guiding it and it began to spin. And spin faster and faster and you could feel the force and you could feel the skin begin to pull back from you. My face was heavy against the back. I was being forced against that backrest and then the floor dropped out. And of course we were all held in place by centrifugal force pushing against us. And we spun and we spun and at one moment... I took my eyes off the middle, just like I told my daughter not to do, and I looked over at her, and suddenly the world kind of spun around crazily. So I quickly moved back to that center point. I quickly was looking right back at the middle. And sure enough, as soon as I looked back at the middle, my equilibrium came back, my ears figured out that I must be in an okay place, and I lost my sense of dizziness. That's what happens when you're spinning around madly and you keep your eyes on that center point. As it slowed down, we got off, and i didn 't really have much dizziness because i 'd kept my eyes on the center, but it reminded me of something very important, and that that is what is your center point for life what Where is it you keep your focus? We live in the world that is just running us ragged and, and we can be distracted by looking away from our own place of center, our own important place. We can look to the side and it gets us dizzy and disoriented and, and, and makes us feel like we don't know what's going on. And sometimes it makes us make some bad decisions. And if we return to that center point, we're reminded of where we need to focus ourselves. Over the years as I've done workshops working with different organizations, I've asked the individuals in the organizations to think about the place where they keep their focus, that place where they center themselves. And I've gotten some interesting questions or answers to that over the years. Usually, I think the number one that I've heard is family. Family is where I keep my focus, and I think partly I get that answer because they think that's what I want to hear. After all, I've done family therapy for many years, and, and they think that's the right answer, especially when they're at work that day and knowing that they're away from their family. So they tell me family is their focus. That tends to be the thing that when people say, what is my priority, they put that very high on their list. So I hear family. Another one I heard very often was happiness, you know, that where I need to keep my focus is on the things that make me happy. Uh, Related to that, some people would say, well, you know, all I have to do is follow my bliss or follow my passion. And so happiness, bliss, passion, we put all in that one place. And there's a problem with that. We'll get to in a minute. Another one that I heard is my reputation. You know, I need to focus on keeping a good reputation. I've noticed over the years that there are many people whose reputations are untarnished, but not because of their activity. It's how well they've hidden that activity. And then there's respect. A lot of people say, you know, it's about respect. My own respect of self and respect of other people. And then there's the one that I've gotten every now and then. Someone will sheepishly tell me as part of the business that where they keep their focus is on profit. And then they give me an explanation that as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, or even as a worker in a business, it's their job to work towards profit because that's why the business can keep going. And so they say, my focus is on that profit because if I keep the profit going, everything else will be okay. As you can imagine, there are some problems with all of those answers. For instance, family is a great priority to make sure that you're spending time with family and make sure that you're focused on the best for your family, but it's always hard and dangerous to focus on something outward to you, something outside of you. I remember years ago, uh, I was called into one of my kids' uh, schools because one of my kids had gotten into a little bit of a trouble. And so I was talking with uh, the administrator there, and I, I said, you know, I, I really I apologize for this, for what happened. And the administrator said something that, that caused me to think a bit and, and something that I've tried to extend to everybody else. And this administrator said, I never expect a parent to apologize for something a child does. I thought, wow, that's great advice because you have no control over what a child does. And so whenever we get focused on family as the center point, a couple of things happen. One is you suddenly feel like you're responsible for everybody in your family being okay, even though that's not even within your capacity. The second thing that happens is your family changes over time. Your kids grow up your marriage might change some. The different elements of the family will change over time so that it's not a steady point. How about happiness, bliss, passion? Well, happiness is an interesting thing because as I've watched it, most people talk about happiness as something that happening out there. Happiness comes from a happen. You'll notice that they share a part of that word, happy, happen, come from the same root word and it's external, that we are happy when something out there good happens. The problem is we don't have control much over that. Somebody will say, well, I'm happy when, and then they name things that are outside of their control. Or how about bliss or passion? I've noticed that what that requires is that all the external things feel good. You know, when it's tough, people want to back away from their bliss, their passion, and what I've noticed is that follow your bliss has led people to keep trying thing, one thing after another, and as soon as it's tough, they decide it's not their bliss, not their passion. Now, I think that's a misuse of that idea. I just want to point to the fact, though, that the way it's used often gets us into a very stuck point. Well, how about reputation? That seems like a good one. The problem with reputation, somebody external to you gets to choose that too, If you notice, there are plenty of people who do very little whose reputation suffers a lot just because somebody said something. You also notice that a lot of people who do really bad things, their reputation never gets soiled because they have a lot of protection. So reputation is basically somebody else's opinion of you and has nothing to do with you and your internal world. So reputation usually doesn't guide us very well if we spend a lot of time protecting our reputation. We often are only managing our, how we project ourselves in the world, our persona in the world. And so reputation doesn't get us very far. How about respect? Well, absolutely, you should be respectful of other people. That's a good way of interacting with them. And you should have some self-respect. That's a, a useful way of viewing yourself. But is it a great way of centering, of keeping focused? Well, it's still a reflection external to yourself. It's an outward look at other things. Well, how about profit? Well, profit is certainly a great outcome for any business. The problem is that when that is the metric that's used, it can lead us down pretty dangerous paths. We've seen lots of companies who have done some pretty unsavory things because they were locked in on the necessity for profit. So instead of focusing on uh, what's important, what underlies that profit, they focused on the profit itself. Instead of seeing that profit is an offshoot of their actions, of how they help others, they saw profit as the leading point. Well, what does that leave us with? Well, in my mind my center point for my life has ended up being integrity because integrity is something over which I always have control. In any situation I can always choose or choose not to act with integrity. It begins a centering point it begins to allow me a simple question of where am I in relation to my own sense of integrity. Integrity is about being true to yourself, not taking on what others think of you, not taking on what you think you ought to be in any situation, but being true to your deepest self. It's about being honest with yourself yourself. And others. Sometimes we think of that, I'm honest with others, but we gotta also be true to ourselves. We gotta be honest with ourselves. And for the most part, I think that integrity is always calling to our higher self. It calls us away from the distractions of life to what's really important to me. It brings me down to that place where I realize that my purpose is bound. In integrity and making a difference in others' lives always works best when I lead with integrity. So, integrity for me is that center point. When the world is spinning round and round and round, I keep my focus on integrity. Am I acting from a place of integrity? And if I'm not, what do I need to do to get back to that place of integrity? It also allows me to ask some questions when a new venture comes along. If there's a new opportunity, I get to ask the question, can I do this with integrity? Am I being true to myself? We all are surrounded by big, shiny objects that that catch our attention. And there's always something possible, something new, something that calls our name. And for me, the first lead question is, could I do this with integrity? Is this a place with integrity? Now, let's be clear that integrity is a very individual thing. I remember years ago I was working, uh, I was at a conference and I was talking with some people and this one person told me about her coaching practice and, and what she did came from a place that I didn't particularly believe in. I didn't really believe in her framework that she was using, but I realized that she was acting from integrity because she firmly believed it. That doesn't mean that there aren't some very base level places of integrity, but it also helps us to realize that my integrity may not be your integrity, your integrity may not be my integrity, but my integrity is my integrity and your integrity is your integrity. And to be able to keep focused on that and to be always asking the question, can I do this with integrity? And what I've realized is every time I do that, it's like a muscle. It becomes a stronger place of recognizing when I'm working from integrity And when I'm out of integrity, and I know what it feels like when I'm out of integrity, I know the feeling within me that goes, this isn't right and it's not where I need to be. And it calls me to make a shift to that higher self, to find a place where I can be absolutely true to my integrity. So my challenge to you is to try that out as your center point. If it's not already your center point, to just try this week and ask two questions throughout the day Am I acting from a place of integrity? And can I do this with integrity? This is Lee Balkum wishing you a thriving life. <music>